You're going to put that in the intro. I know you are. <laughs> oh, I will. Ladies and gentlemen, make yourselves comfortable. I am Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Bodden. And this is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Bad About Movies is a movie podcast where we break down movie news, movie insights, movie rumors, whatever you can think of in the cinematic world. And then at the end, we break down our movie of the week. So feel free to listen to the news portion of our show if you haven't seen our movie of the week, which is The Master. And if you have, then stick around as we break down Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master. You are an everlasting spirit. Don't believe, don't believe you. You make this up. I, you just, I know you're trying to calm me down, but just say something that's true. Are you thoughtless in your remarks? Do your past failures bother you? Is your life a struggle? Is your behavior erratic? What are you running from? He's dangerous. And he will be our undoing if we continue to have him here. Stay tuned after the movie of the week for our weekly recommends, which will be uh, one thing that we each recommend uh, for you guys to check out either on Netflix, maybe on TV, and maybe uh, you might have to go down to the blockbuster. So, uh, guys, uh, anything you guys want to mention off the top for uh, movie news? This is a special bonus episode, yeah, first off. Y'all are for our for loyal, we like to reward our, our listeners here. This is bonus. Yeah, this is bonus content. Uh, so, uh, big thank you to the listeners. We decided to go the extra mile tonight. And uh, and knock it out. So uh, anything uh, you guys want to mention right uh, off the top? No, it's just it's lovely to be hearing from you guys again. Uh, do you have any movie news? Yearly. What's yeah, going I mean, on we didn't, the we didn't talk office. about uh, we didn't talk about anything Star Wars related in the the last podcast. So okay. maybe we should. All right. Okay. So, what, yeah. Uh, since this oh, is the, my beads uh, were hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the only thing I saw this week, Star Wars related, was uh, Mark Hamill, the great Mark Hamill of Luke Skywalker fame, uh, put it out there that George Lucas had asked him and or hinted at the fact that he wanted him to be to play a part in the upcoming Star Wars Episode Seven. Yeah. So, what that led the internet to speculate was that uh, Luke Skywalker would be returning in some sort of a grandfatherly slash mentoring role similar to Obi-Wan Kenobi in the original Star Wars A New Hope. So if we went with that, we could expect that Star Wars would be set, this new one, Episode 7, would be set somewhere within 30 to 40 years in the future of at the from the end of Return of the Jedi. Right. Well, this is excellent news. Yeah, this that's, is. That's I don't know about you, Kent, but this this if that's what happened, that to me is kind of my ideal of what I would want Episode Seven to be. Some sort of a uh, cameo appearances or smaller appearances from the original cast and starting us off in a new era of Star Wars. That's that's kind of my right. If if I had if I got to choose what I wanted from Episode Seven, that would be it. I think and, uh, you, if you had your druthers, right. Which Druthers, by the way, is the a name of a new character George Lucas thought up. <laughs> right. He's Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. yeah, his name's Druthers. <laughs> Given, uh, yeah, um, I actually heard uh, maybe the opposite, not necessarily the opposite, but I heard that Her- Harrison Ford actually committed first, or is already committed uh, to, nice. to Episode yeah. 7. Um, so that, that's, a, that's more surprising to me, because Harrison Ford, I mean, he's got a lot on his plate. 
uh, let's be honest. And I don't know if Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher have a lot on their plate necessarily. Sure. They're probably sure. begging, been begging George Lucas to do episode seven forever. Right. Uh, so, and, and I agree with you. I mean, that's the ideal. It would be to return to that universe. Uh, but, but, um, to, to reboot it in a way. Uh, and, and I've mm. heard that, I've heard that, um, you've probably heard the same thing, Brian, but that they're going to do maybe star Wars, uh, the Skywalker kids. Yeah. Uh, maybe Han's kids. Uh, so it's going to be a younger generation, but but ultimately the same family. Which I that's sure. what I want. I want it to be yeah. rebooted all out of the new the JJ Jar Jar Abrams is uh, uh, <laughs> Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, you know how he had the younger cast. So he, he rebooted. You know, uh, uh, he had a younger, attractive cast. That, that I mean, it was great. Uh, and I hope uh-huh. he can bring that that youthful energy to, to Star Wars. Sure. The, 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 what George Lucas so desperately was trying to go for in the prequels right. with Hayden Christensen, who who bombed horribly, right. and and Jake Lloyd, who was just an abomination to right. everything. Worst so, child actor ever. And, and yeah. you can't you can't do worse than that. And so no. uh, I'm every news that comes out about this. I mean, I feel like every day it's just something. My mind is blown. Uh, I, I can't wait for this movie to actually start being filmed. I, right. I can't imagine the stuff that we're going to be able to see behind the scenes. Uh, and, uh, man, it's going to be great. We uh, won't see any of it because it's Abrams. You probably won't even know <laughs> that it He'll show us three frames on Conan in oh. 2015. Yeah, that's true. No, I'm, I just, I'm just I, – <laughs> I'm talking about like plot details. I want to know, I want yeah. to know what, what it's going to be about. I mean that's the main thing. And, right. and everybody will, will – Build it up in their own head, and it'll it won't let us down. I mean, I, this is going to be the best Star Wars movie maybe ever. So that's my that's my predi- that's my prediction. I I I honestly can't see how this movie's not going to be awesome at this yeah. point. I mean, from all of the details I've I've heard so far. So yeah. Well, and, like and, I said, I think if they went this direction, if they go this direction, this is this is perfect. This is exactly what we want. This is the a return to what we we already know. There's a connection there to the the good parts of the Star Wars universe, but rather than dwell in that with an aging Luke Skywalker and an aging Han Solo and all that, um, it's it's smart to bring those have those characters around, but add in new younger characters that we can start getting invested in in a safe space. So uh, that's if, if this is what ends up happening, I don't know if there's anything that. True Star Wars fans could be more excited about. I mean, this is this is basically perfect. I would just like to formally throw my name out there for Han Solo Jr. Uh, <laughs> so anyone who knows anyone, uh, get at me. Uh, and I would like to play an Ewok. And yeah, Brian, well, you'd make a good Ewok. You really would. Uh, I, uh, I want to be the Emperor's Junior. I want to be Junior Emperor. Palpatine, and I'm just you know Palpatine. what? I've had everything handed to me, and I'm just kind of right. spoiled. But yeah. I'm still evil. You're just brooding. You're like a combination of yeah, uh, you're a combination of Joaquin Phoenix from Gladiator and Seth yeah. Green from Austin Powers. Yeah, just, exactly. Yeah, I like that idea. You read a lot of Shakespeare. I yeah. um, I uh, wanted to mention something else about Star Wars. There was one other thing that John Williams has said he wants to return. So that's great news. Oh, nice. I hadn't heard that. That's that's uh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Jar Jar Abrams plus John Williams <laughs> and minus George Lucas. Man. It's perfect. perfect. What more could you ask for? Question: I, I know Harrison Ford has allegedly signed on. Has his earring signed on? <laughs> <laughs> Man, dude, Harrison Ford is going to be in Ender's Game. Yeah, uh, later this year. That's supposed to be oh. great. Uh, so, who's directing that? I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, I'm gonna have to look it up. Uh, well, 
It stars Abigail Breslin, who's great. Uh, Gavin Hood is the uh, director who okay. st- who did uh, the X Men Wolverine Origins oh, movie. Yeah. Actually, that Ooh, we, we just that got we, done trashing. We just yeah. got, got done trashing that in the last podcast. Uh, but um, yeah, you hey, never know. Brian, quick tangent: Have you noticed Rachel Nichols is way hotter on TNT than she was on ESPN? <laughs> Everything's yeah. better on Turner. Yeah, okay, that's right. Continue. Go on. Fuck it, ESPN. Yeah. Um. Yeah, John Williams is coming back, so that's great. Uh, but you know the thing about this episode seven? I mean, every <laughs> the J.J. <laughs> Abrams has been thinking about this, you know, since he even saw Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Where and he's been making movies how long? However long since then, and he's he's been building it up in his own mind what he would want in episode seven. Right. So he's going to bring those ideas into the table along yeah. with with the Michael Art, who had probably already written a script. Script had probably already been done when he uh, when he got hired when right. Abrams got hired. So I mean, Abrams wouldn't have said yes unless it was going to be great. I think you know. I agree. He had, yeah, he has, he has too much to lose uh, with the Star Trek community. I think. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. Cool. Uh, any other thing you guys want to mention for uh, movie news? Hey, yeah, I've got one more little little cool. blurb that I just saw uh, earlier today. Um, have you guys seen the the newer the Rise of the Planet of the Apes from last was it last year? Yeah, yeah. yeah this yeah. is actually what I was about to mention. I think. So okay, go ahead. Yeah, the uh, well, they're, they're casting the the sequel, which is going to be called Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and they uh, cast the lead, and it's going to be Jason Clark, who played uh, kind of the lead interrogator in Zero Dark Thirty, um, which. He was he's a he's a very good actor. I've seen him in several other things and thought he was excellent. Um, but Zero Dark Thirty was kind of his I think his coming out party as as a really good potentially star caliber or leading man caliber uh, performance. So um, that's a I think that's interesting news. I I think that's an improvement over Franco uh, at least in my opinion. So you you have a lot of disdain for James Franco. Is there a I reason? like. Well, I like let's, let's talk about yeah. it. Let's talk about this right now. Yeah. I, I have another sure. James Franco thing I want to mention. So go ahead. Sure. I think James Franco is when he's on, he's very good. I don't think he's great. There's something that kind of grates on me about him, and, I, and sometimes I can't I can't really put my finger on it. But I when he's on, um, he's really good. But this whole bit of his of I'm going to take whatever role comes my way, whatever I feel like doing has worn on me because I I think it's gone past that point. At first it was, hey, I'm going to be on General Hospital because I think it would be fun. You know what I mean? And that was cool, and I respect that. Now I think it's gotten to a point of it It feels like to me almost every movie he takes, it's a paycheck role, and he'll just he'll do any, anything that anybody will give him money for. Um, and I definitely feel like he phones in about half of his, his performances. He doesn't – he's not somebody who – you can just say, "Hey, James Franco is in this, so it's going to be good." In my opinion, he's a. Oh, I totally agree, but uh, I, I, I feel like he just takes paychecks. But yeah, he, but those those types of movies that he just takes paychecks, he makes it obvious to the audience that hey, I'm just taking a paycheck. I'm not trying right. to. This is. I'm not trying to like 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 I would. Uh, for example, the movie uh, Your Highness. Yeah. Like, come on. You know? Yeah, I guess <laughs> he, he, to me it's it's that some people can pull that off because they have a certain charm or charisma. Um, like we talked about Bruce Willis a little bit in our last podcast. Bruce Willis can pretty much take any role. A, I'm going to see it, and B, I will. I, I'll even if it's a terrible movie, I'll usually give him the benefit of the doubt because, as you say, he's he's kind of got this attitude of well, it's a paycheck. Y'all can just deal with it. 
but he does it in a more charismatic way for me than Franco. Franco, it's just there's something about him that I guess just rubs me the wrong way a little bit at times. Now, again, he can be great. 127 hours, he's incredible in that movie. Um, I think he's good in the first two Spider-Man movies. Uh, there's other things right? I think he's enjoyable in, um, but he just doesn't – I don't know. He Rise of the Planet of the Apes is an example to me because I of of how lackluster he is to me because I that movie I, I thought that movie was incredible from a special effects standpoint. I love that they were able to accomplish all that they were with their fairly limited budget. Um and it should have to me it should have been better and it would have been better with a an actor who I gave a rip about. If that makes any sense franco just didn't he didn't inspire me in any way in that movie so i don't know i'd like to be proven wrong with franco and i definitely like i said i think he's definitely capable of great things um but i feel like more often than not it's just it's lackluster so i um i good all good analysis there i'll I'll say that he in my opinion is too talented for his own good uh yeah he's he's obviously a brilliant actor um uh, to to and uh, hugely popular and very extremely famous and has the capability of Academy Award pr- quality performances uh, yeah. if he wanted to pretty pretty much every role and he knows it too sure uh, so um, I like I kind of like how he picks and chooses uh, I mean I like actors that don't stick to one thing and I like I like actors that do stuff just for fun uh, right. I think that's just me though uh, but he apparently his next movie is Spring Breakers I don't know if you've seen the trailer for this. Yeah, but he plays a rapper named Alien, a white yeah. rapper, a white rapper, yeah. and apparent. But apparently, this is like Academy, uh, an Academy Award worthy performance, uh, and they almost released it in December because they wanted him to maybe have a shot this year. But they probably just saw the lineup of actors and right. thought it has a better shot next year. But um, I mean, he's he's very talented. I will I will say that. And, yeah. But but I will say that he does phone it in and. But to me, it's not a big deal because uh, I don't know. It's just not. Yeah. But like I said, I, I think that the – whether it's an upgrade or not, I think uh, Jason Clark – I think Jason Clark I'm excited to see him. Yeah. I'm excited to see him get an opportunity to be the guy in a movie rather than the you know the supporting player. And uh, and I, I loved the original series of The Planet of the Apes when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and so I'm excited to see where – uh, where this can go, and it it's it seems cool. It's being directed by Matt Reeves, who did um, Cloverfield, uh, so it's got a it's got a cool vibe to it. So I, I was excited to see the the casting choice there. That's good stuff. I agree. Uh, and if you if you listen to our Zero Dark Thirty episode, you know we we praised him before we ever knew that he got this job. So it's right. great great news, uh, and a very worthy. Uh, and yeah, Chris Pratt got the Guardians of the Galaxy. So I mean, and right. Chastain's. I mean, she's gonna. She she blew up too. So I mean, that's sure. It just shows you what a good good film will do for you. Right. Uh, Richard, anything you want to mention? Movie news? No, not at all. Because we covered it. Right well on. done. Right on. Well, stay tuned for our review of The Master. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. 
I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now, and they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. How did I get down here? You're acting aggressive because you drink too much alcohol. What do you do? I am a writer, a doctor, a nuclear physicist, a theoretical philosopher. But above all, I am a man, just like you. All right, guys. Well, uh, this movie, um, let me just say this, that my, uh, when 2012, uh, in 2011, when I was looking at the list of movies for 2012, I circled or highlighted this movie. Um, and waited pretty much all year for it to come out. I waited through the, all the the treacherous awfulness of the of last of the last uh, spring and winter, <laughs> uh, uh, minus a few highlights, uh, that being Chronicle mainly and the Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Uh, before I mean, I'm talking about stuff like before Avengers came out, sure, or, or sure. around the time the Avengers came out. Um, and so this is probably the first drama that I looked forward to all year, and. Um, so I circled it, and I was we were lucky enough to to live in uh, the Dallas area, so we got to see it um, because it was only in theaters for a very short very short time, and um, uh, it blew my mind in a lot of ways, uh, in good and bad. So, uh, what do you guys think, Brian? Yeah, um, I think. Man, it's hard for me even to put my my thoughts together for for this movie. It's a it's very complex. I, I went back because it's been so long since I've seen the movie. Um, I went back and read my own review of it just to kind of remind myself of what it was, what was going on. And um, it's a movie that I, you know, I analyzed. I wrote a review. I critiqued it and whatnot. And even at the time, I said, I'm not 100% sure that I understood what was happening here. So, um, you know, take that, <laughs> take that as you will. It's a very complex movie, as are all uh, P.T. Anderson movies. Um, there's so much going on there that, uh, you know, you find yourself having to decide whether you're going to, uh, delve into all the deep 
symbolic meanings that are held within or whether you're just going to look at it at, uh, at face value. Um, and, uh, it's, it's incredibly well-crafted. It's an incredibly well-made film. It's not a movie that I ever, that I loved. It's not a movie that I loved and it's probably not a movie that I'm going to see again. Um, really? Ever? As I feel, I feel that way towards most of PTA's movies. Um, I think he's an incredible filmmaker, but I, other than There Will Be Blood, I don't think I've ever seen any of his any of his movies a second time. Um, and then I could be off on that. Now I'm trying to think back through his his uh, collection of films, but um, it's very. I think Kent and I talked about this on the radio a few weeks ago, but it's very cold to me. Um, as are most of his movies, I feel like he takes a a very uh, well cold is the only word I can think of the only a very cold approach to filmmaking in which he's just it's almost like a documentary in a way he's just he's letting the camera tell the story and um, and there's not just a whole lot of in my opinion there's not a whole lot of actual narrative to this film and that's I don't mean that as a a, a bad thing it's just that it didn't sit sit with me in such a way that I want to go back and watch it over and over and over again. If that makes, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah. Uh, it, it does make sense. Richard thoughts. Well, I'm a big, uh, Anderson fan or fan of Anderson's. Uh, unlike Brian, I do rewatch a lot of his movies. I've seen boogie nights, uh, 50 plus times probably. Okay. Which I don't know if I'm proud of or not. You're a star. I've seen, <laughs> uh, yeah, Kent and I wrote a, a parody of that that was that was stolen by by others. But uh, and then we uh, we I've seen Punch Drunk Love a lot, which I really love. Might be my favorite of all of his movies. Uh, I've seen There Will Be Blood a few times. Um, the Master. I, first off, I say I really like the movie. Uh, the performances are really good. It's an interesting subject matter. Uh, it's interesting the way it it tells that story and attacks that subject matter without being uh, deliberate right. or really obvious about anything. Uh, there's, so there's some art to that. I, I will say, I, and it, granted, I've always seen the, I've always seen the film once, so I, I need to rewatch it. Like I rewatched a lot of his other work, uh, but it's probably my, it's not my favorite movie of his. It's not my least favorite either, but, uh, but I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I, I really, I like. I know I like it. I just don't know whether it's a. I know it's at least an eight. I'm still not sure if it's a nine or ten yet. And it may right. be. I just need to rewatch it uh, a few more times. Yeah, and and to be fair, I mean, like I said, I've only seen it once, and it probably is a movie that you need to see a couple of times to really um, to properly understand what what all is going on and make a, a judgment on it. Um. So that's, you know, in some ways that's probably to my detriment that I'm not, that I'm probably not going to watch it again, but, um, it is, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough movie to analyze in a lot of ways. Um, and I, I think like in, in my review, I think I said, I don't, I really don't know exactly what's happening here. Um, and I, it's hard for me to 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 judge that and say kind of like Richard said of it's from just from a filmmaking standpoint it's it's an eight is it a nine or a ten I don't think so but maybe another 
uh, maybe another viewing or two viewings or six viewings would would cement that in my mind. Um, but if I'm being honest, I'm probably not going to watch it again. <laughs> so fair, fair opinion. Uh, let me just say that um, I saw this in uh, a second time, and I hadn't seen it uh, since uh, September, and I watched it uh, probably a week ago. Uh-huh. And uh, it really cemented for me uh, that Joaquin Phoenix, hands down, had the best performance of 2012. Um, wow. It, it, <laughs> it, it, Daniel Day-Lewis gets so much credit when people talk about Lincoln for his physical transformation mm-hmm. uh, in that role. And I'll, I, I really think that... Joaquin Phoenix just destroys him in, on every level as far as physical transformation uh, for this movie. I mean, he's he looks sickly, absolutely sickly in his face. Mm-hmm. Um, he he the way he walks and the uh, physical toll that he puts his body through during this movie is incredible. Uh, the climbing up the trees, hanging upside down, the uh, the fighting, uh, um, the scene. Uh, most memorable scene for me, maybe, in the movie. Uh, the fighting scene where he's taking the picture in the Dillard's or in the yeah, performance uh-huh. store. Yeah. And he starts to uh, – this isn't a spoiler, but he starts to get in a fight with the guy he's taking a picture of. And that entire sequence is done in one shot, one, right. one solid take. And they legitimately beat the tar out of each other in that uh-huh. take. And it's really Walking Phoenix, I mean, doing the stunts. Uh, and he, he, and you can tell, I mean, that was probably something they can only do one or a couple times. Uh, yeah. Incredible. Uh, and, uh, another, another example is when, um, maybe I should say this for spoilers, but let's just say Philip Seymour Hoffman's character and, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character are in, uh, cells, if that makes yeah. sense. Jail cells. It's not a spoiler to say that. No, uh, I don't think there's any way you could spoil and, this and, movie. And you, no, so. no, that's true. Uh, you even if you've seen it, you still won't know really. Yeah. Uh, but but Joaquin Phoenix's character just hits his head on this bed, this bunk uh-huh. bed, and he is absolutely, I mean, destroying his him, his body on this bunk bed. Yeah. And Philip Seymour Hoffman's character is just standing there watching him do it, and you're, you're sitting there in the audience, or at least I was, thinking to yourself. Almost screaming at the screen, stop, stop, please, before you hurt yourself. You're an actor, you're pro yeah. you're gonna you're not gonna be able to make any more movies if you keep you know if you destroy right. your face or something. Like I, that's how I felt during this movie. Like you didn't know how far Walking Phoenix was gonna take it, uh uh or PTA was gonna take it. And I thought it was incredible. The second time I saw it, it just blew my mind even just just as much as the as the first time I saw it. And I really I really think it was the best performance of the year. So, thoughts? yeah, I I can uh, I'll say this. I the movie as a whole is not my favorite movie of the year, and not one that I really want to watch. Like I said, want to watch again. The performances are undeniably incredible. Um, I walked out and thought, I'm not going to see a better performance than I just saw from Phoenix for the rest of the year, and I I can I guess I can. I might vote – if I had a vote for Best Actor, I would probably vote for Daniel Day-Lewis. But even as I cast my vote, I might not feel good about it because what Joaquin Phoenix is doing is 
is incredible. You're you're yeah. absolutely right on every level. Um, I have a theory about uh, that. I think I've spoken about before, but I have a theory about Thirty Rock that um, Tracy Tracy Morgan didn't know that he was being filmed for a TV show, um, or maybe he thought that he was going to be in like a documentary or something, and he just acted like his normal life. Um, and that's, to me, that's the key to 30 rock is understanding that Tracy Morgan's crazy and therefore his character is crazy. And, uh, and that, that helped me appreciate the show in the, the early stages. Um, before I really got into it, I, I have the same theory. This is the, this is the dramatic, uh, equivalent to me of walking Phoenix who very well may be insane. Um, and the stuff that he puts himself through in this movie made you wonder if a a if he is mentally capable of understanding what he's doing to himself and b if if he really knew that it's there was a movie going on or if he was just acting like a crazy person as he does in his normal day-to-day life you know um it's it's method acting to a a ridiculous level an, an unsafe level quite honestly um and he's incredible. It's just a. He's a very talented, very very talented actor. Um, there's no question. Gladiator. He's great in Gladiator. Um, even little movies like Signs uh, that a lot of people bag on. He's he's very good, good in that. Yeah. Um, he's an excellent actor. And this is to me. I, I would say this is the the height of what he can do. You know what I mean? This is it. I don't know. He could act for 40 more years and do 40 more films. And he's probably, I don't think he'll ever top what he, what he's done here. Um, and he's yeah. not alone. They, they got three nominations. They're all for acting one for Joaquin Phoenix one for Philip Seymour Hoffman and one for Amy Adams. And all three of them are so well-deserved. They're all really, really great performances. And, um, and so I, I would say, while I don't, I don't love the film, and while I don't think it's, while I don't think it's a nine or a ten or or an A plus or whatever you want to call it, the performances certainly are are up to that that level, but without question. So sorry for dominating the last eighteen minutes of this podcast, but um, I, I, somebody I, else. <laughs> I, I, I will say this: um, you made a good point that um, that I, I feel the same way. I think I. Was, I've maybe mentioned this before that I don't think Joaquin Phoenix will ever have a better performance in his career sure. than the master. I really don't. After seeing the type of actor he is and his level, I mean, his the way his personality is, I feel like this character was m- made for him. Right. Uh, even though it wasn't. I mean, uh, I heard that Jeremy Renner was going to, was supposed to be the original, huh. uh, the original cast uh, there. Wow. So uh, that might have been interesting, but anyway, um, having said that, uh, that it it is probably Joaquin's best performance. Yeah, I don't feel that way about Daniel Day Lewis at all. I don't feel like Lincoln is his best performance or his top in his top three. Maybe I think that Gangs of New York and There Will Be Blood are better, and I think that My Left Foot My is left better. Foot. Yeah. So. Um, Having said that, I don't think that he deserves the Best Picture Oscar, knowing that Joaquin Phoenix is right there with the best performance of his whole career. Yeah. Uh, and he's, a, he's, he's been nominated, and he's never won, and it's ve- it would be very deserving if he won uh, the award, I think. Uh, so my vote would go to him. 
I could see why I think I see I see Deontay Lewis as the popular pick. I see Joaquin as the underdog. But the true I I, I think even Daniel Day Lewis mentioned it in his uh, SAG Awards speech. He he gave nods to Joaquin because I mean nah. it's just even everyone it's this is this is a movie, The Master, that Hollywood is crazy about. I mean, every director, actor, anyone in, that makes movies loves this loves this film. Uh and that's that probably all of PTA's work that I could say that about. But um, yeah, I, I feel like this movie was way underappreciated. Yeah, well, I think you're starting to see. I've started to see the the underratedness or the underappreciatedness or whatever you want to call it of the master making the rounds uh, lately. It seems like the last couple of weeks, more and more people, maybe more and more people have gotten screeners or have gotten a chance to see it a second time or something. And you, but you've seen, I've seen a ton of, if not outrage, then just, uh, comments about, um, how this movie got left out of all the, the, uh, nominations for, for everything other than the acting. Um, and, and I agree with that. I, it, Probably should have been a Best Picture nomination. And- Hands down, it's just—it's insulting that they're like, <laughs> "No, we'll stop at nine this year." No, yeah, yeah, we don't. There's nothing that was even close to being worthy. And how can you? Right. I, I don't see how they can say that about this movie. Yeah, it's three. The three lead performances are all best nominated for their best right. actor. I mean, how can that not right. be a great? I mean, what's so? I guess because this movie stands for something that it didn't get. I don't really don't see why it got nominated. Richard, what are your thoughts on why it didn't get nominated for Best Picture? Um, I I have no answer for that. I um, I, I guess I, I think it had an odd release date. It was it was maybe a little early. Maybe yeah. Kind of in that gap, it came out in September. If I'm if I. If I'm correct, it was kind of the first. It, it uh, did set the record for like biggest opening ever for a indie movie. Yeah, it, it yeah, averaged. I mean, right. it was only on like four screens, and it averaged like a hundred eighty thousand, hundred fifty thousand dollars per screen. I mean, that like shattered the record. Like it was supposed yeah. to be like this huge movie that just didn't live up to the hype. Yeah. So, yeah. so it kind of was the first of the Oscar contenders to come out. So. There's right. always uh, there's always that forgetfulness, the selective amnesia of the electorate. Uh, other than that, I mean, that's the only thing I can conjure up. I certainly right. think it deserved a nomination. Uh, is it, it? It's certainly one of the ten best movies of the year, uh, and and uh, you know, just for the performances alone, and uh, it's right. beautifully shot. We haven't discussed that. I mean, the cinematography yeah. is fantastic. And insulting that it didn't get nominated. Yeah, insulting I agree. For cinematography. Yeah, it's, and it's just the first frame of the movie deserves mm-hmm. a nomination. And yeah. you'll know you'll know what I'm talking about if you've seen this film. Yeah, I would say if, uh, as a reason for why it wasn't nominated for more than the, for Best Picture or for anything else, I think the argument. If I had to make an argument, I would say that it is that the sum of the parts are greater than the whole for me. That the acting is incredible. That the cinematography is incredible. The script is is probably very strong. The score is great. Um, all of those individual parts are great uh, to go range from great to, in Joaquin Phoenix's case, you know, basically legendary. I mean, it was that's an incredible that's that's worthy of of being an, an iconic uh, performance. All of those things together, when you bring them all together, I. 
like I said, it's it's a little bit cold. It's a little off putting, and I don't know. I I'll tell you this. I don't know what the purpose of the movie is, and I think and I wonder <laughs> if maybe that's what um that's why it didn't resonate so much with uh with with the voters as it was as they were going you know and this is a great year for film as we've said before so you have stronger contenders than they normally than you get in a normal year um and i i i do question whether or not whether or not it resonates from a purpose level and and if if that's what ended up being the it the the death knell if you will that's interesting perspective i'll say that i um i i i can't i don't know uh people people that know pta's work sure will, will say that he's not a filmmaker that um how should i say this doesn't put it all out there right he's not gonna he's gonna give you everything that you love about a movie great a great score, great acting, great script, but he's not gonna. the The ending is not gonna be like, oh, everyone gets along happy, and we're gonna go home, right. and we're all gonna have right. a good time. It's not that. That's not you know. That's not the kind of filmmaker he is. Uh, so, right. um, I, I, I think this movie is so. Uh, like like you said at the beginning, you don't know if you're gonna rewatch it um, because. It didn't offer. Did you say it didn't offer you much uh, to think about, or no? I mean, it it offered a whole lot. It, didn't, to think it just about. didn't make you feel good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. It, yeah, it oh, just, okay. Yeah, it's 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 it offered too much. I keep saying it's cold, and I, I I wish I could think of a better adjective for that, but it's very. Um, he lays it all. You're you're right. Nothing that that PTA does is laid out in a in a way that makes it easy on the, it, everything he does is challenging. Let's put it that way. And, um, I think that by the end of it, I was maybe done with being challenged. <laughs> if that, I, uh-huh. I don't know. I, this is a film that like, I, I think we talked about before we, when we were discussing whether or not we were going to, we were going to review it. It's hard for me to even put into words really how I feel because on every level, I know that this is a great movie that it should be, uh, one of the five best movies of the year, and yet I don't, I don't love it. I don't really want to see it again. And I, and I, I guess I understand how it got left out. Even if, even at the same time of not really even being able to say a definite reason, and that that frustrates me because I feel like I'm usually pretty good at putting into words what I, you know, what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. But yeah. Yeah. it's a movie that doesn't resonate and. At least for me, and I, I, I wonder if if more voters, who you know, people who actually have a vote in this, felt that same, that same right, way. Maybe, maybe so, maybe so. I, I feel like Richard, and I felt like this movie. I wanted to analyze. I want to, and I want to watch it. I want to know what what is what's being said, uh, and I, it, it really intrigues me. And I, the scenes. The, for example, the scene with um, Lancaster Dodd, who's Philip Seymour Hoffman, he's interrogating, uh, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. Freddie Freddie Quill, uh, and uh, and I played the clip at the beginning of the podcast, but he um, 
he's he's literally drilling him with questions over right. and over and over again. And it might be the most quoted moment or, or the most recognizable scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. But just that scene and the the interaction between just Lancaster Dodd and Freddie Quell are seen just relationships like that and uh, what what PTA has done there are those are that's why I go to the movies for uh-huh. those types for those types of of moments you know uh, of a, of a, a the it's a, it's 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 such a, a commentary on on society the uh, fall the even even the fact that uh, Freddie Quell is drinking this this substance the whole movie that you uh-huh. don't know what it is but it, he's drinking the Kool Aid as it will you know right and it's it. It's such a satire on cults and uh, mm-hmm. the, the and what, Scientology thing. Yeah, it's certainly uh, Joaquin Phoenix is. Uh, you know, he was his family was in the Children of God cult, California, when he oh. was growing up. He's a, he's a child of of cult behavior. So, right. Speaking again to his performance and how we may never see uh, a performance of this caliber from him again. It, it's a movie where he he he's almost tailor made for. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Totally, yeah. Um, it's uh, it's a movie that I, I don't know if I enjoy. I will agree with you there, Brian. But <laughs> yeah. but it is a movie that I do want to see multiple times. Uh, and PTA's work are are there? I mean, they're all long. They're all long of movies, mm-hmm. uh, and there are movies that I do want to watch. Uh, I, I visit maybe once a year, each one. You know, just to, sure. just to keep it fresh in my mind. And, and anytime he releases a new one, I try to go back and watch the the repertoire. But uh, this movie didn't let me down. Let me just say that because I was anticipating it a lot, and uh, it was it was definitely definitely deserving of a nomination. Sure, agreed. Agreed. Any other thoughts on the master guys? No, that's all I've got. That's, all. that's about it for me. That's, that's all we've got. Cool. Hey, uh, we'll stay tuned right now for week, uh, uh, short weekly recommends. Sure. Okay, uh, Brian, anything you want to recommend? Yeah. Um, okay, I watched a, uh, a, a – I've been catching up on all the mostly indie movies and documentaries, things like that that I missed from 2012. Um, and I did just watch uh, watch one this week called uh, Perks of Being a Wildflower. Excuse me, Perks of Being a Wallflower, um, which is adapted. Now, is this from, a uh, uh, is this the uh, Jacob Dylan documentary? Uh, <laughs> that... I wish. Gosh, I love that first Wallflowers album. Oh, um, so great. Six uh, seven two holiday. <laughs> yeah. um, no, this is based on the uh, the book that I think a lot of people have read at some point or another. It's the Somewhat classic coming of age story, right. um, and it stars uh, Logan Lerman, who was in the Percy Jackson movie, uh, Emma Watson from Harry Potter fame, and a few other a few other recognizable faces. Um, it's not a not yeah Paul Rudd's in it. Um, it's not a movie that I loved. I saw it in the top ten for a lot of people um, that I respect, and I can understand why it didn't completely hit home for me and I felt like it was a little bit forced at times, but for the most part, um, it's very, it's very well acted. Uh, the story is one that, um, for the most part, I think most people can, can understand at least where the, where the kids come. He's, he's kind of a, the, the main character is a freshman or sophomore in high school and he's, 
he's a major loner and has a bunch of issues. And, um, so it, uh, it, 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 like I said, it's forced a little bit at times, but it comes together very nicely. It's very, it's not a happy, happy story. Um, there's a lot of hurt and, um, and pain within this, this kid's life. And, uh, and that doesn't, that some of that doesn't come through until, uh, the very end, but it's, uh, it's very well put together and, and well acted. And, uh, and, and it's, it's definitely worth, uh, worth looking at if you haven't seen it yet. Cool. So is it, uh, it's, it just came out on DVD. Yeah. I think about uh, maybe two weeks ago, something like that. I watched it earlier this week or maybe the end of last week. Uh, I had to rent it. It's not on Netflix yet. Um, but, uh, it's worth, it's worth seeking out. It's, it's, it's a movie that, uh, you could probably, we could probably do a podcast on it's, it's, there's a convert, you, you could have some conversations about, um, everything that happens within and, and we enjoy that. So great. Uh, Perks of Being Wallflower is available now. I'll, ch- I'm, I'm going to check that one out. So good, uh, good recommendation. Richard. Sure. Uh, I'm going to break the seal into our first book recommendation. We've done- Whoa, oh, yeah. book nerd alert. Yeah, so the new uh, – my favorite <clears throat> my favorite uh, modern American author, uh, contemporary. Jewel, right? Yeah. Uh, has – who would you say? Jewel. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I said Brian the other day. I went to Barnes & Noble looking for a book of poetry. They didn't have it, of course, but they did have Jewel's book of poetry from the mid-90s <laughs> because – America requires it. She's the voice of a generation. She, yeah, she lived. In, she lived in a van, Brian. My she lived hands in a van. are small. I know, but they're not yours. They are mine. Is that Wordsworth? Not, oh, is that Jewel? I didn't know. I didn't know. Anyway, uh, his, uh, the author I'm speaking of is a guy by the name of David Shields. He's a professor at the University of Washington. I wouldn't say he's hugely known. I kind of happened onto him honestly about three years ago. And another author I like uh, tweeted. Uh, a link to this book and it looked interesting. This book was called Reality Hunger. I read the, I got the book. I read the book, and then I just went back and read everything this guy's done. And he he writes this uh, really interesting. Uh, they're not really memoir. These they're sort of collages of memories from his life. Uh, he 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 was uh, his parents were both these sort of counterculture liberals in San Francisco. He grew up playing basketball. And he has a severe. He grew up with a severe stutter, and then went on to become uh, a talented professor and writer. But uh, he, he, I like him because he takes a very elevated, uh, very academic view of things. However, he, the things he chooses to take a view of are often sort of silly. There's a book he wrote uh, about ten, uh, oh no, about fifteen years ago now, uh, called Black Planet, which is just he bought season tickets to the Seattle SuperSonics. He went to every game and he wrote about it. Just kind of interesting. Oh, okay. But anyway, he has a he has a new book out called uh, called How Literature Saved My Life. Uh, it's excellent. Nice. Just finished it the other day, and it's about uh, just it's kind of the same sort of thing he always does. He, he he weaves in and out of biography and criticism of other authors and uh, and uh, fiction, and kind of tells this whole story all in a weird little book. So it's a quick read. It's a good read. I haven't been let down by him yet. David Shields. Let's get the word out on this guy. He's excellent. And uh, that's my recommendation for the week. Great. Awesome. Uh, David Shields. Check that out. Uh, my recommendation, uh, this past uh, week I saw a movie, and it was a movie that I had been meaning to see in its initial theatrical run, um, and that movie is called Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, have you guys seen it? Yeah, dude. I love Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, I have Richard, not seen it. Ralph? 
No, I haven't, but I've only heard good things. Well, I, my of, main man Corolla's of, in it, so I gotta like it. Nice, yeah. Um, well, as of right now, it is at the Dollar Theater, so that's where I checked it out. Uh, and this movie is awesome. Um, this it's it's funny because you hear a lot about this movie being Pixar Pixarian, if yeah. you know. But uh, this movie is it's funny that Disney's more Pixar than Pixar, and Pixar yeah. is more Disney than Disney now. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so, it was a weird year. <laughs> it was a really weird year. Uh, so, I mean, it's funny because, yeah, Pixar is kind of failing on all these sequels that they've been doing, like the uh, Cars 2. Uh, and you, you never know how how uh, Monsters, Inc. 2 is going to turn out. But, I mean, it seems like they're struggling for a creative idea. And this, sure. this But there are aspects of Wreck-It Ralph that I will say are ripped directly from Pixar. I mean, yeah. it's, it seems like... They were like, okay, what? How can we make a Toy Story that's not Toy Story? Do you know what right, I mean? Right. Um, but it's very entertaining. Uh, if you like video games, I, I I will say that I'm very. Uh, I'm not a gamer. I would call myself a gamer, but I I didn't really grow up. I would say as video games didn't really influence me growing up. Sure. Same here. So, Same here so, too. So, I mean, I recognize some of the some of the references, but there's so much so much pop culture references in this in this movie, and so much product placement, and it's hilarious. Yeah, um, I'm glad to most, hear that because I didn't grow up as a gamer either, and that's kind of what's kept me from the movie because I, I I knew it was good, but I didn't know if it was something I could really appreciate uh, with my limited you know Mario Kart experience. Right. Yeah, and it, I mean. Um, it rips from Toy Story in in ways. It's not bad ways, but ways such as um, the the games basically come alive when the arcade closes. And right. The, the, the characters come alive inside the game, and their their biggest fear is to go out of order. Right. Uh, all, uh, same same way Toy Stories. Their biggest fear is to uh, go in the attic or to get sold sure. at a garage sale. Uh, so they always have this big looming uh, fear that they're complete, it's completely out of their control, and uh, so right when the yeah right when the arcade closes, all the all the uh, all the arcade games awaken just like in Toy Story. When the people leave the room, the toys you know they wake they wake up, and I, I like I like stuff like that. It takes it takes something in real life and makes a it, 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 they kind of animate the non animate yeah. objects, the inanimate yeah. objects. Solidification. Um, but there's funny, there's there's very funny uh, pop culture in this movie. Uh, yeah. Most notably, there's a Oreo cookies uh, uh, reference in it that's very funny. You know what I'm talking about, Brian? Yeah. With the, yeah. Wizard of Oz and the Oreos. Yeah. And yeah. there's a there's a Diet Coke in a Mentos like volcano. Right. I mean, just funny stuff like that that you would uh, check it out. Only yeah, very funny, so very smart too. Really intelligent movie. Very, very Pixarian. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I have seen all the best, best animated feature nominees except for uh, Frank and Weenie. And my favorite was probably Record Ralph or Perry yeah. Norman. I would so, say by far if one of for the, me. If one, of the, yeah. if one of those wins, I'll be happy. Yeah, good stuff. Right. Yeah, I think that comes out on DVD next week. So yeah, a week after next, March fifth, I think. Cool. Uh, well, Richard. Where can I find you online, sir? You can find me a, a, on Twitter at Richard Barden or at RichardBarden.com. Brian? I'm at Bgill12 on Twitter and at TheSoapboxOffice.com for movie shenanigans. And what about you, Kent? Where can we find you? 
Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison, K-E-N-T-G-A-R-R-I-S-O-N. And you can email the show at madaboutmoviespodcast at gmail.com. Or find us on Facebook. Just search for Mad About Movies Podcast. And, uh, yeah, send all suggestions, topics there. Uh, subscribe on iTunes. Find us on Stitcher. And please leave a comment and uh, leave us a review. And thanks for listening. Uh, until next week, we will see you guys at the same time.